0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This episode of Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com with interviews with Colby Covington and Josh Emmett is brought to you by Human Weapon Clothing. Human Weapon is a no-nonsense MMA clothing brand that bucks the trend of those skull and crossbone MMA clothing brands of yesteryear. Instead, it brings you good, clean graphics. And don't just take my word for it. Head on over to humanweapon.com, and when you find something you like, and you will, use promo code FLOW, and that's F-L-O, for 15% off your first order. Human Weapon Clothing brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com, and it starts right now. <laughs> This is Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And we have the pleasure of speaking to the number three ranked welterweight in the world, Colby Covington. Colby, let's start off with the year that you've had. Uh, you started the year unranked, actually, uh, which is crazy to believe. You followed that up by beating Dong Young Kim, got the chance to fight Demian Maia in Brazil, uh, beat him, and then cut a pretty infamous promo while you were there. Now you're all the way ranked number three in the world. Uh, how do you look back at this past breakout year, and are you satisfied right now with the sort of the UFC's pecking order?
1: Uh, you know, this is this is everything that I expected from the beginning. You know, I've I've known for the last couple of years that I am the best weight in the world, and that's what's coming. That's what everybody. That's what everybody. That's what everybody's seeing right now. They're seeing that you know, Colby Chaos Covington is the best fighter in the world, and you know, I'm, I'm coming to take my belt. That's my belt.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Colby, because it almost feels like it was a breakout year for the welterweight division, which maybe has been a little stagnant the past couple of years. You know, you had you really making a name for yourself, uh Darren Till making a name for himself, Mike Perry along the way as well with some KOs, but... The way you've done it, Colby, um, you know, for me, this past March, you infamously trolled RDA by posting a hilarious photo of his quote unquote Gmail inbox. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, you stood on the street, you held up a sign that said, we'll fight for food because the UFC wasn't giving you, uh, fight bookings you wanted. I mean, you've largely done this all with self-promotion. Um, and, you know, I encourage everyone to go to, at Colby Cove MMA on Twitter because your Twitter feed's absolutely hilarious. Um, I don't know, man. It just it's it's amazing the way you've done this through self promotion. Has the UFC complimented you on this?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know the, the UFC sees how hard I'm working, man. I'm not just winning these fights, and, and, and I'm dominating these fights. These fights aren't even competitive. Every fight that I'm in, I'm completely dominating. I haven't lost one round, so. You know, besides the fighting, I'm out here working hard, man. I'm promoting myself, you know. The UFC, they haven't done nothing for me. I'm I'm not a Paige Van Zandt. I'm not a Sage Northcutt who gets paid this ridiculous money because they look like a Barbie. I'm out here hustling, man. I'm working hard. I'm not just putting the the grind of the hours into the gym. I'm putting the grind and the hours into the social media to self-promote myself. So, you know, I've done this all on my own, you know. Make no mistake about it. I am the best fighter in the world, and I work the hardest. No one's going to outwork me.
2: You know, and, and on top of all that and everything you just mentioned, um, you also had an interesting altercation with Fabrizio Verdum last month in Australia. Uh, he threw a boomerang at you. Can you give us the lowdown on this? What what actually started that, and and what comes next? Because I know charges were filed. Like, do, do you have to go back to Australia and appear in a court, or, or what's happening with all that? Pretty much, you
1: know, he, he got... Uh... He got his feelings hurt after, you know, I beat the best Brazilian fighter to ever come out of Brazil and Walterway you know, Damian Maya completely destroyed Damian Maya, left him in a pool of blood in front of his home city of Sao Paulo and completely outraged the whole Brazilian nation. So, you know, what Brazil what Fabricio Werdum did was he was trying to act like a hero. He's trying to come at me in Australia, which this is the exact story, it's on video camera, he's going to court this week, so, you know, I'm sitting outside, the guy comes out to me, hits me in the face, and then he throws the boomerang at me, he's mad for the comments I made in Brazil, but, you know, there's free speech in America, so you can't just go attacking people because it's free speech, that's fascism, and fascism, we all know Adolf Hitler believed in that, so, you know, I don't condone those actions, but... You know, I just have to, I have to laugh at Fabrice. He's out here. He's trying to look like the good guy by, by coming up to the UFC's number one bad guy, me. And he's trying to get put over to Brazilians. Like, Oh, I defend my country. I love my country. I, I stand up for my country, dude, you're a fake. You're over in orange candy, living in a gated community in America. You flee Brazil. Cause it's such a dump and all the filthy animals there. So, you know, I just have to laugh, laugh at hypocrites. You know, he's just, he's the same type of dude as Tyrone Woodley.
2: Yeah, you know, so he said, at least from the reports I read, he said that you guys were walking by each other and you called him a filthy animal. Can you confirm that you did not start that beef by calling him a filthy animal then? Or or nothing really set it off other than just what happened in Brazil and then him coming up to you to try to play the hero, you're saying?
1: Uh, Yeah, I can completely confirm that's a complete lie. Listen, I'm not here to, to make shit up. I'm the truth teller. Everything I've been doing this whole time is all about truth. That's a complete lie. I would tell you if I did that. I have nothing to hide. First off, it's on camera, so he's going to go to court this week in Australia. And the truth is going to be revealed, man. I didn't say one thing to him. I, I'm sitting outside waiting for my taxi to go promote his card in Sydney because no one cares. He's old. He's, old, he's over the hill. No one wants to watch Fabrizio Werdum fight anymore. So he took the opportunity to get the exposure by attacking me. So so it's sold ticket sales, you know? The guy's a joke. I didn't say one thing to him. He literally came up to me, blindsided me, hit me in the face when I was looking down at my phone, and I was tweeting at Tyrone Woodley. He hit me in the face. I'm backing up. Him and his coach, Rafael Cordero, are attacking me, like, coming at me like they're going to attack me. Oh, you don't make comments about Brazil. I'm going to kill you. Oh, saying all these, like, racial and sensitive comments. And then he throws a boomerang at me. I mean... The guy's a complete joke, and he's a complete liar. Everything he said, I didn't say one word to him. His actions are stemming from what I said in Brazil after I beat Damian ass.
2: Did you know it was a boomerang right away?
1: No, honestly. I saw that he had a couple things in his bag, and I saw him pick it up, and the way he was going to throw it at me, I was like, oh, man, i got to move my head. So I didn't really see. I'm just glad I moved my head, honestly. If I don't move my head and I have unbelievable reflexes, you know, that's what comes with being the best fighter in the world then i'll probably have a broken nose maybe a broken jaw cuz you know those wooden boomerangs they're not they're not light man those things are like 10 pounds they use those to hunt kangaroos in australia so it is a hunting weapon so you know, I didn't know what it was, but I knew I had to get my head out of the way because it was going to hurt.
2: Coach Edmond would be very proud of your head movement. So, you know, you mentioned everything that went down in Brazil. What's it been like since you cut that infamous promo in Brazil? Obviously, you have some teammates at ATT who took a little issue with it. Has it been a little awkward in the halls of ATT? Have you received any blowback from people close to you about everything that went down in Brazil?
1: Um, You know, I don't really care, honestly. I don't care about other people's feelings i'm not in the business to make everybody happy and make friends I'm, I'm not here to make friends i'm here to be the best fighter in the world and get my money and get out man i don't i don't care about what these fighters think of me yeah there's some guys in the gym there's a lot of blowback yeah they're upset they got their feelings hurt oh wow i'm sorry you got your feelings hurt this is the mma business this is the fight game we're not in this to, to have the feeling game so you know yeah there's some guys that took sides they're mad at me and and you know got, you don't know, have to watch my back now, definitely. Guys are trying to come up to me, do some TMZ stuff on video, try and get get a video to put themselves over as the good guy by taking out the bad guy. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, I got a close circle. I'm, I'm definitely staying uh, off the radar, and I'm just, you know, I'm not staying in – around groups of people or going into the gym when the Brazilians are trained. I'm going to train on my own schedule now.
2: Yeah, understood. And, um, you know, you mentioned you've brought up his name a couple of times, Tyron Woodley. He's the champion. You uh, affectionately refer to him as Tyquill. Uh, what what's going on here? Because there are rumors that maybe you guys would coach the next season of Tough, which I think would be amazing, but then there's rumors that this weekend RDA and Lawler are fighting. That might be a number one contender bout. Can you give us an inside scoop on, on what's next for you and, and what the path to the title shot might be?
1: Yeah, I mean, the guy who has the title, Tyrone Woodley, you know, we've trained together in the past, so deep down inside, he can say whatever he wants to say on the surface. He can say Colby's not a competitive fight. All oh, he has pedal hands. All the things he was saying after I beat Damian Maya, he's saying, oh, you got outstruck by a BJJ guy. This is the same BJJ guy that backed him up for five rounds straight, and he was in one of the most boring title fights of all time, the least amount of stripes thrown all time. So, you know, Tyrone Woodley's a joke, man. He's making up all this stuff. But then when the UFC offered him a fight with me, they, first off, they offered me and Tyrone a fight at December 30th at the UFC 219. Dana White offered him a fight. He said, Hey, Nate Diaz isn't gonna happen. Fight Colby. He said, No, I'm not fighting Colby, blah, blah, blah. He's trying to make up all these excuses, you know, Oh, my shoulders hurt now. Now oh now I'm rethinking shoulder. So he's going back on his word. He says one thing and then he goes back on it. Okay. So so Dana's like, Hey, let's 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 get uh, you and him as ultimate fighter coaches and you know, it could happen, it's still a rumor, it's still floating around, it's still an idea, but you know, nothing's set in concrete, you know, we gotta wait to see what happens this weekend with R D A Lawler, but I can tell you, know, you know, no one wants to see RDA Lawler anymore. Those guys, you know, they're at the end of their careers. They got a lot of mileage on their bodies and chins, so you know, and and, and who wants to see a mute in front of a camera? Or they're not going to show up to these interviews to do these interviews. So, you know, I, I don't really think those guys are the number one contender. I do feel like I am the number one contender, and Tyron Woodley has nowhere to run. You know, he he can't stay in Hollywood gossiping on TMZ about the Kardashians anymore. He's going to have to man up and fight me and give me my belt.
2: Wow. All right. Um... You know, you did bring up a good point on Twitter. Uh, you brought up the fact that Woodley got his title shot versus Lawler. Uh, I think he was on a two-fight win streak. He had wins over jung Young Kim and I believe Gastelum, if I'm not mistaken. You're right now on a five-fight win streak. You have a similar win over jung Young Kim. You just beat Maya. Why do you think a guy like Woodley got that uh, title shot on a two-fight win streak? Was that just perfect timing for him? Why do you think you've maybe had to work a little harder than, than him to get a title shot?
1: Uh, you know, he he, he went about his business dirty. He started saying racial profiling, oh, you guys are racist, you don't want to give me a title shot, oh, it's because I'm black, you know, he tried to do, he tried to go that avenue, and that's just completely bull crap, you know, I mean, the guy was on a two-fight winning streak, he was coming off a split decision win over Gaslam, he sat out two years to wait for his title shot, and he bitched, and he begged, he complained, he made excuses, oh, I deserve this, I deserve that, you know, he just, he's a prima donna, That's, that's all he is, so... You know, the numbers are the numbers. That's what I'm trying to put everybody and let everybody know the numbers. You know, we I have a better UFC record than him. I just beat the last guy he fought and had beat him ten times worse, and I did it in two less rounds. You know, we have the similar opponent, Dunglum Kim. You know, I've beaten up Robbie Lawler in the gym for many years. So, you know, we have the similar schedule. The guy has nowhere to run and hide. He's just trying to make these excuses up. Oh, Colby's not deserving. I'm number three in the world. When you got your title shot, you were number four. So you already fought number one and number two twice. So, I'm next in line, and he knows it, and he's just starting to sweat. He's like, that's not a good fight for me. And he knows he's not going to be able to keep that pay, that belt. And you know what? The belt entitles, entitles pay-per-view points and big money. So he doesn't want to lose the belt. He wants to get one more money fight with an ADS or a GSP, a guy who's you know, not even in the division, and, and then and then call it a day. You know, Walk off into the sunset because he fights for his paycheck, man. He doesn't fight for the fans. I fight for the fans and the people. I fight to put on entertaining shows. I don't fight for my pay, my my bank account hmm. I fight to put fans in seats and to entertain so you know the guy's a fake and he's a fraud and I'm ready for my shot
2: Wow all right well he's on a five fight win streak he, he cuts a hell of a promo uh, Colby Covington we have one last thing for you we did this with Darren till we thought um, it would only be fair to do it with you too when till was on our show we did something called the lightning round I throw out a name you just give me a word or a phrase first thing that comes to your head. And in all fairness, I should tell you, when I gave Darren Till your name, he called you a bum. So I just want you to know that going into this. Are you ready for your lightning round?
1: Sure, let's do it.
0: All right, so I'm going to say a name. The very first thing that comes to your mind, you can keep it nice and quick. So first name that comes to my mind, it's only fitting we start with Darren Till.
1: Don't know who that is.
0: Robbie Lawler.
1: Old and a lot of miles on that chin.
0: Rafael Dos Anjos.
1: A little midget, lightweight, who can't fight.
0: Wonder Boy Thompson.
1: A little karate girl who's one-dimensional and (laughs) will get destroyed against a well-rounded fighter.
0: Kelvin Gastelum.
1: A little fat dude who needs to get a dietitian. (laughs)
0: Tyrone Woodley.
1: The toss up girl himself, Ty Quill.
0: (laughs) George St. Pierre.
1: One of the greatest of all time.
0: Donald Cerrone.
1: Uh, veteran. Nate Diaz. Uh, Warrior.
2: Alright, that was... As good as I thought it was going to be, Colby. I had to hold back some laughter to try to keep some professionalism, but that was incredible. I can't thank you enough for that. So, hey. This guy is on a five-fight win streak. He wants the champ, Tyron Woodley. Follow him on Twitter, Colby MMA. That's Colby, C-O-V, MMA. You will not be disappointed. Uh, this guy is a self-promoter. He, he's doing like the modern-day Chael Sonnen right now. And, and, Colby, we really wish you the best of luck in 2018. We hope you get your title shot, and we thank you so much for taking some time for us tonight.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. You guys heard it here first. You saw what I did last year. Just wait till you see what I do this year. I'm taking over the game. I'm taking over everything. The only talk of MMA will be Colby Covington after this year.
2: Boom. Hey, Colby, man, thank you so much. That that was perfect. Uh, Like I said, we're loving what you're doing. We wish you the best of luck. And uh, I know this is going to blow up on the internets. We'll probably get it out tomorrow, and uh, I'm sure you'll see it somewhere.
1: All right, sounds good, guys. Hope you guys have a good one.
0: And that interview was, of course, brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Dead Frog Brewery is a craft brewery nestled in Canada, right next to Vancouver, that brings you beer with no preservatives and no pasteurization. Head on over to deadfrog.ca to check out what they have to offer, or you can check out their beer, such as their Green Magic IPA, which is my personal favorite, in stores now. We, of course, are Dave and Dan with FlowCombat.com's Top Turtle MMA, and that was Colby Covington, uh, Dave, what would you think of Colby Covington?
2: All right, so I could not wait to talk to Colby because, you know, it's like I said to him. I am so impressed with his self-promotion, and I don't use that in a disparaging way. I use that in a super positive way, because, and he brought it up himself. He's not getting the Sage Page pretty person push, right? He's done this all on his own, and I think this is something that other UFC fighters can look at while I get that he's kind of playing the heel, and you could say some of the stuff has been a little negative with what he did down in Brazil, okay, I get all that, but just look at it as a whole, he has made a name for himself, and he's done it all on his own via social media, and then just the right time, the right place, when he beat a legend in Damian Maya. He did not get on the mic and said, I'm ready to take whatever the UFC has to give me. He gave people a very memorable moment. And, uh, you know, he's doing the honky tonk man. Uh, he's doing the pro wrestling heel shtick. But again, you know, so many fighters complain about not getting that quote unquote push. Well, Kobe Covington went out and gave himself a push.
0: Yeah, and I, I think what you say is completely valid, too, about the fact that he's doing it with negative attention. But. The thing I kind of respect about that, at least, is that he owns it at the end of it. You know what I mean? He, like, owns that, you know, people are going to be pissed off. He owns that it might have to change his training regimen, and he might have to train... At the time, the Brazilians are not. He owns that people confront him about it, and and he just says, look, I'm just going to be real, and I know that this is going to get me to the top.
2: And, you know, one thing you can't deny is he is at the top of this welterweight class, this resurgent welterweight class. Um, He's the takedown machine of that class, right? I mean, he's the guy that's going to bully you. He's the guy you don't really want to face when you're having an off day. And, you know, can he beat Tyron Woodley? I I, I don't know. I want to see it. I certainly want to see it. He's riding the five-fight win streak. His only loss in the UFC is to uh, Warley Alves, who caught him with a guillotine uh, on a takedown. And, you know, Warley's obviously no slouch at the jiu-jitsu. Um, but you take out that fight, and he's uh, 7-0. and I-, I mean, he's yeah. 7-1 and with that loss to Warley. It's-, it's very impressive.
0: Yeah, it's really impressive. I-, I think his resume speaks for itself at this point in time. And, and plus, he's totally right about the fact that he- he's the fresh look. We, we've seen Robbie Lawler, Lawler. In a title fight. Cer- we've seen they've tried, yeah, we've seen they've Cerrone. pushed Cerrone, seen, Cerrone, right? Exactly. We've, we've seen all those guys in title fights, so this is our chance to get something new and something fresh, and I, I, I think that speaks to uh audiences in a in a meaningful way
2: now i know there was a rumor that rda versus lawler and we'll talk about that in a second might be a number one contenders fight but i think dana white's gotten out of the habit of calling something a number one contenders fight until we see it because for all we know it's going to be the most boring fight of all time and you don't want to give someone a number one contender fight off a bad performance the other rumor that I think makes more sense would be Covington versus Woodley on The Ultimate Fighter, uh, just talking trash to each other, build it up in that, uh, you know, uh, rampage um, Rashad Evans type of way. I, I think that would be a very good platform for Colby. I know The Ultimate Fighter is a bit of a cliche in and of itself at this point. I think we're all a little tired of the concept, but you know what? The Ultimate Fighter was built for someone like Colby Covington.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one. But I will say, uh, you know, I, I, I do think Dana White, like, came out and pretty much said Robbie Lawler, RDA, is for the title fight. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think tying up him on The Ultimate Fighter is going to necessarily bring as many viewers as people think it is. Uh, because at this point in time, I mean, like, if you ask the, even the most hardcore fan, uh, if they watched The Ultimate Fighter, they're going to tell you no, most likely. You know, they're, Even I, who watch pretty much every minor league organization you know, on odd weekends, on FlowCombat.com, on Fight Pass, on everything I can get, even I don't watch every episode of Tough. So I, I think that like idea of like building somebody that way just simply isn't true anymore.
2: Yeah, you bring up a good point. I don't really want to tie him up on that show for six months. You talked me out of it. But I do want to say... In a better time, with timing being better, I would have loved to have seen Colby Covington on The Ultimate Fighter. Oh, oh
0: if, you would, if you would put him on back when, like you mentioned, Rashad uh, Rampage was a thing, everybody would have watched it because everybody watched
2: Rampage versus Rashad. Right, the heavyweight season back when the Ultimate Fighter was in its peak. All right, so let's not talk about the Ultimate Fighter because we've beaten that subject to death. Let's talk about a pretty good uh, card on UFC on Fox this weekend. Let's do a little breakdown. What do you say? Does someone sponsor this or what, Gumby?
0: Absolutely. As with all of our fight breakdowns, this fight breakdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu makes the most breathable, lightweight mouthguard on the market. Head on over to sisuguard.com. Check out their Max Guard. It helps out me when I'm doing my jujitsu, and it can help out you.
2: When you're doing your contact sport or activity of choice, sisuguard.com. All right, so the main event is Robbie Lawler versus Rafael Dos Años. It takes place on Fox. It's coming to you from Canada. And this is a nice little main card on Fox. I'm actually liking all four of the main fights. Uh, Robbie Lawler versus Dos Anjos is the main event. We'll start there. Dos Anjos, a minus 115. Lawler, a minus 105. Vegas doesn't really know what to make of this. What do you make of this, Gumby?
0: I I make of this as a fight that it's going to come down to who can bully the other person better because that's pretty much how both of them have made their money in the long run. I mean, back in the day, Robbie Lawler made his money knocking people out. It hasn't so much been the case recently, um, but, but he's a guy who knocks people out over and over and over again, year after year after year, and slowly he's kind of turned into a guy who sort of has to bully somebody into throwing down with him. Um, and his chin's got some miles on it. Uh, and RDA also to me is just the guy who's more composed than that. He's not going to fall into Robbie Lawler's fight, but he has a way of bullying people in his own right using, uh, his physicality. You know, he, you watch him use his physicality against Anthony Pettis, which of course you can just say, you know, Anthony Pettis is not so good at using his physicality, but he also outmuscled Neil Magny, who's a bigger guy. Um, So, you know, I've really liked the way that RDA has used his physicality, especially since moving to welterweight. And for me, the fact that he uses the physicality so well and that he fights a smart smart fight, smart fight. Uh, You almost said fart, didn't you? You almost said (laughs)
2: fart. But yes, he fights a smart fight.
0: Yes, he fights. He fights a smart fight, and uh, I, I like him against Robbie Lawler for that reason.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to go with my heart and say Robbie Lawler. To me, Dos Anjos, this is the true test for him as an upper echelon welterweight. You know, him... Bullying Neil Magny on the ground, whether he be the bigger man or not, doesn't impress me at all. Neil Magny is, let's just face it, not that great on the ground. No offense to Neil Magny, but I think he knows that's his Achilles heel. And then he beat Tarek Safadine. Good striker. You know, beat him by decision. His first fight at Welterweight, okay. But if he beats Robbie Lawler, then I'll know he's for real. But as of right now, I'm not ready to say he's for real at Welterweight. I still have the performance versus Eddie Alvarez in my head uh, from, you know, a year and a half, two years ago at this point. So, so For me, I'm picking Lawler, but it's obviously a close fight, one that maybe will be won via gas tank in the later rounds or by decision. We'll move on. Very exciting fight, in my opinion, at light heavyweight, which obviously is always in a state of flux, depending on John Jones' legal troubles. You have Glover Teixeira, a plus 145 dog, and uh, you know, one-time super prospect, still a fan favorite of this show, Misha Serkinov, the minus 165 favorite. Who you got there, Gumby?
0: Uh, I just think Misha is definitely by and large the better fighter here. While I really love Glover, I really love his body of work over time. When you look at this fight, it it just boils down to which one of these two guys has it all put together still. And and there's just so many things to me that, that are kind of lacking when it comes to Glover to share. You know, like I don't love his takedown defense, I don't love his ground game off his back. Uh, I don't love his, like, distance striking, you know, and, and at this point in time, do, do I really trust his chin either? I, I'm not sure that I do, whereas Misha Serkinov, the only thing that, like, has makes you hesitate or makes you think that, like, maybe he can't do it is that he got knocked out by Volkan Ozdemir, which, so far, everybody who's fought Volkan Ozdemir has been knocked out. So apart from that, he's looked like a pretty flawless prospect, and I think at this point in time, he's going to show that he's not just a prospect. He's like a top four or five fighter.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean you know the way I feel about vote. Uh, sorry, you know the way I feel about Misha Serkinov. Huge fan. I love his grappling. I love his submission game. I am going to fact check you though. I believe that uh, what you said is completely true. Do I trust Glover's chin at this stage in his career? No, probably not. Do I trust him fighting at distance? No, probably not. I have no problem with this takedown defense I think the two worst losses in the past few years for him were just uh you know the reach that he couldn't deal with on Alexander Gustafsson and a uppercut from hell off of Rumble Johnson I don't worry about his submission game I think his submission game is very strong he's a jiu-jitsu black belt he has submissions on his record but you know it's like you said in a gunfight, uh, I'm probably going to go with the younger lion here and say Misha Serkinov has the edge, as Vegas has uh, has obviously credited him by making him a minus 165 favorite. Um, Mike Perry, Santiago Ponzinibbio, uh, another very exciting fight at welterweight. You know, we mentioned it that uh, Darren Till, Kobe Covington, and Mike Perry were some, the the breakout stars of this uh, welterweight class, the next generation. Perry in this fight is a minus 1 or sorry, Perry in this fight is a plus 165 dog Santiago Ponzinibbio, the minus 190 favorite what say you
0: I I kind of agree with those odds too and as much as I like Perry's KO power and it, it is crazy because all 11 of his victories come by KO or TKO including four of four of the UFC I I think it's right in the way that they've laid it out because if you look at the fight that he had trouble with and the fight that he lost he lost against a talented longer distance striker with a little bit of power. He lost to Alan Joban. Uh, And not that Alan Joban's not a good fighter, but when you compare him to Santiago Ponzanibio, Ponzanibio fights a lot like him. He's very long. He uses his kicks well. He uses distance well. Can he lure him into a firefight and win this fight? Absolutely. Mike Perry could certainly do that. But if Ponzanibio fights his fight and fights from distance... I think the odds are right in this one. I think this is a good fight for
2: Ponzinibbio. All right. Well, the actual co-main event was supposed to be Ricardo Lamas versus Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo got moved up and fought Max Holloway and got uh, beaten again, uh, as predicted by this guy right here. Uh, was not excited about that fight, but I understand that the UFC was in a in a bind, in a pinch, in a pickle. So they had to move Jose Aldo from this fight with Ricardo Lamas. Who steps up? None other than Josh Emmett. He's a plus-235 dog Ricardo Lamas, the minus 275 favorite. We're not going to break down the fight. Rather, we want you to hear from Josh Emmett himself. We got a chance to catch up with him, and we're going to play you that interview right now. So, Gumby, is this interview brought to you by anyone?
0: Uh, This interview, as all interviews, are brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Dead Frog Brewery is a craft brewery in Canada that brings you beer with no pasteurization and no preservatives. Get it at a liquor store near you.
2: All right, Dead Frog Brewery brings you our interview with UFC fighter Josh Emmett.
0: This is Daniel Gumby-Vreeland with FlowCombat.com's Top Turtle MMA, and I am speaking with Josh Emmett, (laughs) who fights Ricardo Lamas this weekend at UFC on Fox 26. Uh, Josh, you recently made the switch down to featherweight at a time when a lot of people are moving up in weight class because of all kinds of weight-cutting concerns. What was sort of the reason for moving down, and how did that first weight-cut feel?
3: Uh, my whole goal all along was to uh, fight at featherweight once I got in the UFC but uh, I got in at 155 it was working out well for me but with that uh, that kind of BS split decision that uh, I got in New York it made me reevaluate things rethink things and uh, I decided to make the cut to 45 Uh, and definitely the, the cut was challenging you know even making 155 is pretty tough for me 45 was a, a different beast, but uh, you know it, it worked out well, and uh, I know it's going to pay off in the long run. I wouldn't be in this opportunity if I didn't make that cut e- cut either, or make the decision to go to Featherweight.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And what do you walk around at roughly uh, that makes that cut? You know, that extra ten pounds a little bit more significant.
3: Um, if I'm uh, if I'm eating good and uh, enjoying myself high 70s you know 75 78 um sometimes i can even get up into you know like the low 80s if i'm lifting a lot but i've kind of stepped away from uh the weight i'm doing more endurance based workouts and uh so i'm trying to keep my weight a little lighter
0: and how do you feel like that that endurance base works with your style? Because, you know, you, you do have a little bit of a grueling style, but you're also very quick. Do you feel that that, like, endurance-based style plays a little bit more into your game than uh, the heavy lifting?
3: Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, it really just helps with uh, – I, I still do all, like, the anaerobic. Uh, workouts as well, like sprints and stuff like that. I do plyos and and I'll I'll do uh you know heavy kettlebell swings and stuff like that, just so I can keep those uh, fast twitch muscle fibers firing and still be explosive. But then the long endurance workouts also help me with uh you know getting the weight down as well and then just really boosting that uh, conditioning.
0: Yeah, and that makes a that makes a lot of sense, uh, especially for that featherweight division that's got a lot of people uh, who can move very fast. Let's talk about one of those guys. Uh, who can move pretty fast and is fairly explosive? You're fighting Ricardo Lamas, who's ranked number three in your division. Uh, were you at all surprised that he decided to accept you as a late replacement, being ranked number three, and that he was supposed to fight Jose Aldo to start?
3: Uh, no, no, not at all. You know, I kind of put my myself in his shoes, and just knowing that he's a he's a real fighter. I know he has, you know, he has a wife with another kid on the way. They have a, a you know, a. A son as well. So I, I was thinking, you know, he's been training for Jose Aldo, one of the toughest fighters in the world for a long time. He also probably wanted to enjoy Christmas with his family. So I was thinking if I was put in his position, I would take the fight. And uh, I, I, I just had a feeling he would take it. And uh, here we are.
0: Yeah. And that, that's pretty exciting, too, because, you know, you've only been in the featherweight division in the UFC for for one fight and here it is your chance to move up to number three where do you think a win over ricardo lamas puts you in in a division that you know has not too many guys pushing right at the title picture
3: um it it, it all depends on my performance if i can go out there and do what the the current and the former champion couldn't do uh and that's if i get a finish then i think it throws me right into title contentions and you you never even know what's going to happen it depends who's out who's injured. stylistically what fight fans want to see and, and what the UFC has in store uh, for the fighters. So it, it just all depends on my performance, but definitely just a win over Lamas. Even if I didn't get a finish, um, I, I think I'm right there in the top five.
0: Yeah. And I, I really like the point you made too, because it plays sort of into my next question too. He, he's been in there with the best. He's been in there with Holloway, uh, Jose Aldo, even Chad Mendez, who was at the top of the division for years. And and none of them were able to finish him, which which goes to say quite a bit about his durability. How how do you feel you match up against somebody like that? In whether or not your or what your perspective is, sort of on whether or not you can come out with the finish.
3: I I think I I match up really well against him stylistically. Uh, Lamas is, uh, like I said, he's he's one of the best in the world. He's been at the top of the division for so long, but. You know, stylistically, this is a fight that I've wanted before I even got in the UFC. You know, just looking at, um, just fighters that I think I'd match up really well against. And, and he's one of them. He, he's well rounded, but I'm, I'm also well rounded. Uh, we're the same height. We, we're both collegiate wrestlers. We both have great hands. He, you know, both good at grappling as well. But I also have a similar style to Chad. As well, and I've been training with the best team in the world since 2005. I've been the main training partners for every single one of uh, Team Alpha Male, and you know the history of our, our team. We have uh, everyone that we've had people that have been champions, number one contenders, um, you know, people ranked in the top five, top ten, and I've been the main training partners for them, so I know where I stack up, and, and I possess the same power as Chad, and so I'm, I'm looking for a, you know, a, a big finish.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really glad you mentioned your team, too, because obviously when you belong to a team that's as well-known as Team Alpha Male, especially amongst the, the lighter weight classes, uh, you know, I obviously have to ask you a couple of questions about them. So uh, recently, Cody Garbrand lost his title to TJ Dillashaw, former member of your team, uh, and it came out almost immediately that Uriah Faber would be willing to fight TJ Dillashaw. Uh, how ready would you say Uriah Faber would be if he was ready to step right back into fighting uh, after
3: being retired? Is he training like he
0: could still fight at any time?
3: Yeah, Uriah, he's a he's a different animal. That guy's uh, he, he lives the lifestyle and uh, he's always training. He's always at the gym, um, even when he's traveling, making all these appearances and doing all these other type of stuff. With uh, as far as like. Uh, just just work. He'll get right back in the gym, he'll be training. If he's uh if he's gone, he'll find another gym to train at. So that guy is in great shape year round, always helping the team. Um, yeah, so I-, I could see him stepping back and fighting, but who who knows? You know, I I'm not sure uh, a lot of things in the media have kind of misconstrued and people take things out of context. So I don't know if he actually said he'd be willing to. Maybe he did, um, but uh, I- I'm not sure if that's yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. To and it seems like an opportunistic time when you have, you know, a guy who used to be on the, the team. There's obviously some bad blood there. It's a chance to get, you know, one of the biggest fights that's out there in that Bantamweight division right now would be Uriah coming back. Um, I wanted to ask you since we're talking about title fights too. Uh, since your division recently had a title fight, your your new division recently had a title fight. I wanted to ask you what you thought of the title fight between Max Holloway and Jose Aldo. Did you watch it? What'd you think of it? And uh, sort of how do you feel you stack up against those guys? Because you they might be your contemporaries, and you know as much as two or three fights.
3: Yeah, no, I, I definitely I watched the fight. Um, I think they're. You know, they're both great champions. Jose Aldo is, you know, a legend of the sport, been one of the top featherweights in the world for a decade, you know, if not longer. And uh, Matt Holloway, he's like the, the next generation of uh, fighters. He can mix things up really well. He's uh, the complete package. But uh, I, I think Aldo did really well, but then he, he faded. You know, he faded in the third, and he, and he he's done that time and time before. Uh, in, in big fights, when he gets in the championship round, he he tends to, uh, you know, that's when the, the opponent he does a little better. And and Max Holloway, he, he stayed in his space, he pressured him, he he knew what he needed to do, and he the same outcome came. You know, he finished him in the third round. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a great fighter. They're both great, and uh, I would love to fight one of them
0: soon. Well- well, hopefully in the uh, the somewhat nearish future, we see Josh Emmett uh, facing even higher-ranked contenders than who he fights this weekend, which is Ricardo Lamas. Make sure you tune in to UFC on Fox 26 to catch that bout. Uh, Josh, once again, thank you so much
3: for the time. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
2: Alright, well we hope you enjoyed that interview with Josh Emmett who fights Ricardo Lamas this weekend at UFC on Fox 26 Lawler vs. Dos Años. We would like to thank our sponsors Human Weapon Clothing, Dead Frog Brewery and Sisu Mouthguards. Thanks to Flow Combat, our mother ship. Thanks to all our Uh, followers on twitter at top turtle mma uh check us out there if you haven't already keep liking us keep subscribing keep downloading it helps keep the lights on at the top turtle podcast studio thank you for listening thank you to colby covington thank you to josh emmett and thanks to you our fans i'm david tremonti
3: he is daniel gumby vreeland we'll be back next week